Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Welcome to a very special episode of Technology Transfer IP, episode 100. This is Tom Hockaday, guest uh, with Lisa on episodes 21 and 51. Um, And I'm absolutely thrilled to be joining Lisa Muller for today's podcast. To celebrate the 100th episode, I'll be interviewing Lisa, and we're going to be looking back at various highlights and themes that came out uh, on the previous 99 episodes. So Lisa, congratulations on episode 100. It's an absolutely amazing achievement. Well, thank you so much, Tom, and thank you so much for being here with me today. It's absolutely incredible to have made it to 100 episodes in a little bit more than two years. It is indeed, and it's an absolute credit to your your hard work and, and dedication. And one of the reasons I think it's so important and such a great achievement is is it's it's a very valuable archive, a very valuable resource. Um, and I feel that if I was running a tech transfer office these days, any new hire, any new person who came into the office, I'd direct them to listen to a few of these things because they'll really quickly pick up and get up to speed on on the issues and the themes and, and some of the history. So I'm looking forward to um, talking through this with you today. Um, but but let's think, who, who was your first interview and when was it broadcast? Well, my very first interview was Dean Stell of Wake Forest Innovations. And it was actually right before the pandemic struck and everything sh- was shut down in February of 2020, actually February 19th. And what was interesting was my initial plan was to do all the interviews in person. So that very first interview was in person in Wake Forest. And Dean was really kind and hosting me there uh, at his offices. Well, that was two years ago and, and more than two years ago. And you, and you were very much on trend because as the pandemic hit and we were uh, locked up at home, we all took to podcasts a, a lot more. So so you were ahead of the curve on that. Um Stepping back a little bit, um, why did you feel back then that the tech transfer space needed a podcast? Well, that's a really great question. And the idea for the podcast came from the 2019 Autumn National Meeting, which was in Austin, Texas. During that meeting, I spent a lot of time in the exhibit halls and during the receptions and the breaks. And I was listening to people from tech transfer offices all over the world share their stories and things like what was working well for them, what wasn't working in their offices, their successes and their challenges. And as I was listening to all this go on, I was really impressed by the tech transfer community and the amount of collaboration between individuals and how open and willing they were to share and help one another. They didn't seem to be competing with one another in any way, which is so different than, let's say, the legal and other professions. 
And so I thought to myself, it would be really neat to learn more about these people and their offices on a more regular basis, other than just at the annual and sometimes the regional meetings. So I'm not really sure I thought there was a need for a podcast, but it, it kind of arose out of my own interest and curiosity to learn more about tech transfer and these amazing people behind it. No, very good. Very good. And and how many tech transfer offices in the U.S. have you interviewed and, and where from? Well, it's pretty amazing. I've interviewed individuals from 69 tech transfer offices from 33 states and Puerto Rico to this point. So that's great coverage. Um, and, and then you you looked abroad. Um, and what was the inspiration for expanding from outside the U.S. tech transfer offices to tech transfer offices you know, internationally? And, and how many outside the U.S. have you interviewed? So I've always been fascinated by different legal systems and comparative law. And in fact, over my career, I've written and compared the U.S. patent system with other patent systems around the world. And it's something that I find very, very interesting. So in episode number nine, which was with Laura Savitsky, who at that time, she was the chair of elect of Autumn. She mentioned after the podcast was over that I reached out to Tim Boyle from Anesto which is the Australia Nuclear Science and Technology Organization, and see about having him on the podcast. And I didn't know Tim at all at that time. And she was very uh, good friends with him. And so she was very gracious and kind. And she introduced the two of us. And, and Tim quickly agreed to be on the podcast. So I had him on the podcast. And that was really my first experience with international tech transfer. And I was just fascinated um, about the similarities and the differences between tech transfer in the U.S. and Australia. So that got me thinking after I did that interview that I really not only wanted to emphasize tech transfer offices in the U.S., but I also wanted to expand more and focus on tech transfer offices outside the U.S. And so I thought, you know, it sounded pretty straightforward at the time, and I thought it would be pretty, pretty easy to do. But at first, it was pretty slow going. It was hard to get people outside the U.S. kind of interested and, and uh, wanting to be on the podcast. And at first, I really wasn't sure why. It, it might have been, you know, something new and different that, that people outside the U.S., you know, just weren't familiar with. Might have been, you know, the, the guests up until that point had been pretty much U.S.-focused, U.S.-centric, and they may have felt maybe they weren't a good fit. I don't know. But I, I kept with it. And, and thanks to people like you and others who've been kind to introduce me to, to people all over the world. I've been able to speak with individuals from 16 different tech transfer offices outside the U.S. And it's been pretty far ranging from Australia, like I mentioned with Tim, Austria, Brazil, Canada, Chile, Denmark, Great Britain, India, Ireland, New Zealand and Switzerland. And. I'm excited because in the next two weeks, I'm going to be heading to Portugal to the ASTP meeting. Um, and I'm hopeful that I'll be able to convince people while I'm at that meeting um, from some other European and other countries to, to take part in the podcast. So my, my fingers are crossed that I'll, I'll get some uh, additional international guests here shortly. 
Well, well, let's hope so. I'm sure you will. Maybe we're a little sort of late adopters to podcasts outside of the US, but I'm sure you'll you'll get some good contacts uh, in uh, in Portugal at the ASTP meeting. Um, for for all the all the interviews that that you've held, there there must have um, been some some things that that you learned that you weren't really expecting. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's kind of funny. I've practiced patent law for a long time and worked with university tech transfers for uh, a long time. And I thought I knew everything there was about tech transfer and tech transfer offices. And then once I started this podcast, I realized I really didn't know anywhere near as much as I thought. So I think what I've learned from these episodes and it's something I really didn't expect and I think even failed to appreciate was just how hard technology transfer really is and just how dedicated the individuals are who work in this profession and how committed they are to making an impact and really improving life for all of us on this planet. So I'm amazed at the amount of work, the the depth and time uh, and volunteerism that, that people in tech transfer offices put in to try and improve our world. And even more so with some of the smaller offices, you know, offices that have between one to five individuals, I, I'm absolutely amazed at the production of these offices. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. I think those are, are very good points to to hear. Um, you know, from from you as a as a to, for us as tech transfer people to to hear you say that because. I think some people have the mistaken view that that this is sort of easy and and we haven't quite worked it out yet and we're not that good at it. But it it's certainly my conclusion after thirty years of doing this that that yes, it is hard. It is complex. It is complicated. Um, and in fact, we're very good at it. Um, and I think that one of the points one can take from listening to various of your episodes is around this complexity. Um, but again, that's why they're so valuable, because you hear real experts talking and helping others understand the complexity and, and unpack it a little bit. Um, I, I'm sure as well as the sort of unexpected, you've had some fairly unusual incidents on on these calls. Any Anything in particular that's, that you want to share with us? Oh, yeah. I, I always say if it's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. And, and it seems like I, anything that could go wrong kind of has gone wrong. Um, and it's it's uh, at the time, it's never fun, but I, I can kind of laugh about some of them now. I I think the most unpleasant experience I had was the power actually went out one time in midstream in a podcast. And that happened uh, in episode 23. And I was on uh, the podcast with Alistair Hicks from Monash University in Australia. So we had this really big time difference. Uh, and I'm glad that the power came back on really quickly and we were able to resume. But poor Alistair was really confused at the time and I, I don't blame him. Um, but we got through it and, and the episode turned out great. So that was kind of one um, one incident that I hope I never have to repeat and then I had a couple episodes where people actually chose to record the podcast in their car. And so I'm, I'm glad I don't do YouTube videos because that would have been an interesting one, uh, interesting video. And thankfully, too, that they weren't driving. And then because I use Teams and Zoom um, a lot of times to record the podcast, um, we've had everything from dogs barking, children running in, um, cats, spouses, spouses making all kinds of funny faces, um, lots of different things like that that, you know, inevitably have come up 
as a result of us all working from home during this pandemic. Um, some of them have been absolutely hilarious. So it's been a nice break, you know, using the video at times. And then there's been all kinds of weird sounds and interferences, whether it's cell phones, emails, um, towns uh, digging water pipes and, and new systems in the street um, and buzzing sounds that have creeped in, which have caused all kinds of restarts or sometimes significant editing. So I really give really big kudos out to Luke Lacey. A lot of my listeners have heard me mention him. He's amazing in terms of his editing. He's been extremely patient and he somehow manages really to get out all the weird and not so weird sounds and hisses and buzzes um, that that come up uh, during these podcasts. Um, and then finally, I'll just mention that several of my guests have extended me invitations to come visit. Um, and some of them have been in really great locations like New Zealand. And hopefully if, you know, things start to continue, I should say, to improve with COVID, you know, I may take a few of them up on them because they sound like great places to visit. That's a good plan. That sounds like a good plan. Um, let's let's home in on on some of the the, the particular episodes and some of the themes um, uh, amongst those um, amongst the ninety nine. Um, I, I know you've interviewed many of of what I would call the legends in, in tech transfer. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about those interviews with those wonderful people? Yeah, you know I've. One thing I've I realized, Tom, when I was preparing to do this episode with you, I went back and I re-listened to a lot of those episodes. And I have to say, I've been inc- extremely fortunate to have had the opportunity to speak to, you know, such impressive individuals. And I think the first one that I want to mention um, in terms of legends was I really had the amazing honor and privilege to talk to Joe Allen in episode 61 he was part of the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee for Birch Bayh. Um, We all know that uh, Bayh makes up one part of the Bayh-Dole Act. And uh, the Bayh-Dole Act, you know, we wouldn't be here having this podcast if it weren't for Bayh-Dole. It was one of the most inspired pieces of legislation that we've seen in a long time. That episode and that podcast was really amazing because Joe tells a story that led to the passage of Bayh-Dole, and it was by no means certain. Uh, it was passed during a lame duck session of Congress. Uh, you had the unlikely kind of maybe odd couple in Birch Bayh, uh, the Democrat from Indiana, who actually did not get reelected, along with Senator Bob Dole, who was a Republican from Kansas. Uh, you had President Carter, who also lost reelection, and he waited till the very last day in office to, to sign uh, Bayh-Dole into to law. And then there was a question, just given the arduous journey it had and the fact that it got signed in the last uh, day that President Carter was in office, you know, what was going to happen with the act? You know, was President Reagan going to uh, even kind of... Um, give his support to the act. And in fact, it took till February of 1983 for him to actually issue an executive order giving his support to Bayh-Dole. So it's just an incredible story of how we got to where we are today and the reasons behind it. And Joe went on after he left the Judiciary Committee to have another really important role in tech transfer and even the patent system in the formation of the Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit. So he really had an amazing uh, amazing career. And as I said, we wouldn't be here without uh, his influence. And then another legend I got to talk to was Fred Reinhardt in episode number five. And Fred got his 
career going in tech transfer shortly after the enactment of Baidol. And he had an amazing 35-year career in tech transfer. And during the podcast, he talks about how tech transfer evolved and changed over the course of his career. And he broke the evolution and change of tech transfer into what he called five phases um, and that went through periods of seven to 10 years. And he gave them really catchy names. And uh, these were things like getting to know patents and partners. Are we professional and sophisticated yet? Saving the world with startups, success and other misfortunes. And reality is so real. So I'm, I'm not going to say anything more about these phrases, but I'd encourage listeners, if, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go listen to that podcast with Fred, because it, it really is very, very insightful. And it's a great yeah. episode. Absolutely. So another legend, an absolute pioneer in tech transfer was Kathy Koo. And I think a lot of listeners will recognize that name. Uh, she had a 27-year career at Stanford, uh, established them as a global leader in tech transfer. And during her time there, Stanford licensed hundreds of new technologies and brought in an incredible $1.8 billion, which is just incredible. And, and most of that money went back to fund further research there at the university. Uh, she also spearheaded the development and implementation of these nine principles for university technology transfer. It's called In the Public Interest, Nine Points to Consider in Licensing University Technology. And that was published in 2007. And since that publication, over 120 institutions have signed on to it. So I'd encourage listeners to listen to that episode. You really are, you know, it's it's a great episode. She's an amazing woman and has had a really incredible career in technology transfer. And then, you know, she had an impact in Autumn as well. She was instrumental in actually leading some of its growth uh, and in 1989, uh, led the change from the Society of University Patent Administrations, otherwise known as SUPA, to what we know as Autumn today. And I think Autumn is a much better name than SUPA. Wouldn't you agree, Tom? Yes, indeed. Indeed. No, I, I was aware of some of that history, but it's great to listen to it from the from the people who were there and, and who did it. And, and Kathy's episode is 67, I think. Yeah. Yes. 67. Yes. Thank you. Another legend that I had the privilege to speak with was Terry Willie in episode 68. And Terry's had an amazing career, which has been about starting and reorganizing university technology transfer programs and launching new early stage funds that invest in university science-based ventures. And she's currently at Indiana University Ventures and doing amazing things there. And in fact, uh, IU Ventures has been recognized for its equity, diversity, inclusion efforts. And amazingly, they've been able to provide 50% of their funding investments towards women or mi minority-led companies and startups, which is absolutely incredible. And I think one of the things that really resonated with me in this episode is when Terry was talking about her amazing career, she mentioned how proud she was about the growth of technology transfer over time, and most importantly, the impact it's had all over the world. And she's very, very grateful, and, and she got uh, really sentimental talking about how her career has given her an extended family all across the world. So another really great uh, podcast to listen to. No, well, absolutely, because, I mean, I, I know Terry well from her 
time running the tech transfer office at Cambridge. That's Cambridge in the UK. Um, And when I was at Oxford, she was running the Cambridge office. So we spend a lot of time talking things through. And and yeah, her her experience and her international uh, reach is, is, is amazing. Yeah, she's an amazing woman. And then one final legend I wanted to talk about was John Soderstrom in episode 69. And over the course of John's amazing career, he was instrumental in helping New Haven, Connecticut become the growing and thriving biotech cluster that it is today. And more importantly, he's a really staunch advocate of the Bayh-Dole Act. And one of the things that he talked about during the podcast, um, he compared technology transfer pre bidole and post bidole And the point he makes is that post bidole the biotechnology revolution went gangbusters. And we saw an acceleration in therapeutics and other technologies that made significant advancements in healthcare that, you know, have been just mind boggling. And he asked the question, what changed? And he says, Bidol. And when I asked him to reflect on his amazing career, he was very eloquent in saying that it gave him purpose to his life and it allowed him to create a legacy He talked about how tech transfer allowed him to put the principles he grew up with sitting around the dinner table with his parents in a practice and how he got to do that with some amazing mentors who taught him principles of how to build and maintain relationships with people all over the place. And the fact that he was allowed to do it in a place like Yale was extremely satisfying to him. So another really, really great interview. No, absolutely. And and a wonderful man, very, very generous, very kind. He was always very helpful to me when I started going over to autumn meetings in the 1990s. Um, Another theme, um, several of your episodes have focused on issues relating to equity, diversity and inclusion. Um, Why have you dedicated, you know, really quite a lot of time to this topic? Well, the quote Megan Anstus, I think the best party is when everyone has an invitation As a female patent attorney who's been practicing for almost 30 years, I've seen and experienced a lack of opportunities as well as disparity in my pay because of my gender. So this issue is near and dear to my heart. So one of the first episodes on this topic that I did was with Nicole Mercier at Washington University, and that was episode 37. And Nicole is an amazing leader, and she's been analyzing the disparity between male and female innovators and creating programs to try and help close this gap. And one of the incredible programs she has come up with is something called Equalize, which is a virtual mentor program and pitch competition that's designed to take national action around disparity of women academic inventors in forming university startups. And I'm happy to say that program is still going on um, and it's managed to, to weather um, the COVID pandemic. And it, it's extremely, extremely important. The next person I interviewed was Megan Anstus in episode number 49. And she's the former head of the Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Committee at Autumn. And Tom, you and I both know Megan really, really well. And to say that she's extremely passionate about equity, diversity, and inclusion is probably a, a pretty big understatement. Yep, yep. Um, I think Megan's also amazing because she's a bridge builder. She facilitates discussion and she connects people on this issue and this topic all over the world. And I think one of the things that I really loved about the podcast with Megan was the wishes for Edie and I 
um, that she articulated at the end of the podcast. And, and I want to share a clip of that because I think it really is tremendous. So I'm going to share that right now. Megan, I generally like to close a podcast by asking my guests if they could have any three wishes granted or a vision realized for their office, what would those be? However, I want to ask you this question slightly differently today. If you could have any three wishes granted with respect to equity, diversity, and inclusion, what would those be? That's a hard one, Lisa. Uh, I, can I ask one of my wishes to be more wishes? You know what? I, I get that question a lot, and I refuse to grant extra wishes. But given that this is diversity, equity, and inclusion, you can have more wishes. It's the one exception I'll make. <laughs> I love being an exception. Well, I would say that the first wish is that people are thoughtful, kind, and considerate towards fellow humans. We don't have to understand someone or have the same experience as someone to support them. I would say my second wish, and this is something that I thought a lot about as we continue to get this in the news every day. So my wish is that we can wake up for a whole week and not hear news about another minority who has been murdered in the streets. My third wish is that people educate themselves and do better. You don't have to be perfect to support someone who's different from you. We can find ways to be an advocate and to uplift others without ever even seeing or knowing someone. It takes a concerted effort and desire to be the person that others want to know because you yourself are kind and welcoming. And finally, my fourth wish is that Someday in our world, we don't have to measure EDI and we don't have to keep track of how many females or how many people with a disability that we work with because we're inclusive and welcoming for everyone and that everybody has an opportunity. And that's what equity really means. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah, that is uh, that's typical Megan, I would say. Wouldn't you agree, Tom? Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Very clear. Yeah, definitely. So after Megan, um, I spoke with you, Tom, as well as some of the other founders of Get It, which stands for Global Equality, Diversity and Inclusion in Tech Transfer. So, Tom, do you want to share some thoughts uh, about Get It with us? No, well, indeed. Thank you, Lisa. Yes. So Get It was formed about a year and a half ago, sort of early, early 2021. Um when a group of us found ourselves talking more and more about this and wondering what uh, we could do specifically within the tech transfer world. Um, and so global uh, equity, diversity, inclusion in technology transfer, or get it, G-E-D-I-T-T dot com, um, was, was created. Um, and we've been able to pull together quite a wide range of materials that are on the website. We've run, run some events um, that have brought uh, a wide range of people together to talk about the issues. And, you know, we're still learning and we're still working out how we can help. But I think by focusing on what TTOs can do to help um, with EDI, both within tech transfer offices 
within the institutions that we work for, but also externally and and the influence we have with various commercial partners that we have and and suppliers. Um, I think TTO people are uniquely placed to have an impact um, on EDI. And so, well, as you know, Lisa, we work on this together. Um, So it's it's been a, a an important achievement so far, and and we look forward to its its continued growth. Absolutely, it's been great to be a part of, and I encourage people to check out um, our website as well. After Get It, I spoke with Elaine Spector, a partner with the law firm of Herity and Herity, and that was episode number fifty six. Herity and Herity has demonstrated extraordinary leadership in trying to increase what I'll call the pipeline of diverse individuals in patent law such as women and other traditionally underrepresented groups. And they're trying to do this through a whole host of programs, which include their Herity Patent Academy, their Patent Pathways program. They have a minority firm incubator and a Herity for Parity Women's Workshop. And speaking of this workshop, it's going to be in its fifth year this year. And in fact, during this year's event, which runs from May 23rd through the 26th, I will be moderating a panel on technology transfer with Leslie Miller Nicholson from MIT, Kelly Sexton from the University of Michigan, and Laura Mitchell from Johns Hopkins University Technology Ventures. And then after Elaine, I had the privilege to speak with Natalie Cozier in episode number 80. And I really liked this episode because Natalie very beautifully and eloquently shared her story of abuse and harassment that she suffered as a PhD scientist in the workplace and in society in general because of the color of her skin. And during our discussion, I asked Natalie if she had the chance to do this all over again, would she or would she reset? Her answer was really interesting. She said that she would reset, stating that she would tell her younger self to trust in her ability to progress the commercialization opportunities she was working on. And she'd reset herself to be more open and assertive to push for more opportunities. She said that she thought at times she was hesitant and fearful and thinking that it was something that she could do. It was really a very powerful interview. And I really encourage people to go back and listen to that particular episode. After Natalie, I spoke with Jay Muir, Jennifer Gottwald, and Jennifer Chakro in episode 94, who, along with the other members of the Autumn Women's Inventor Special Interest Group, created a survey that was used to determine the factors that encourage or discourage academic women's participation in technology commercialization. And they worked on this survey for quite a while. They analyzed the results. They did a lot of interviews. And the results are all included in a paper that's entitled Engaging More Women in Academic Innovation Findings and Recommendations that was published in the journal Technology and Innovation. And I'd really encourage listeners to go read that paper and listen to the episode because it sets out some of the very important recommendations and next steps that are needed to help increase the number of academic women that participate in technology commercialization. And then finally, in last week's episode, uh, I spoke with Mike Kasdan, and that was episode number 99. And we talked not only about equity, diversity, inclusion issues, but we also talked about mental health issues in the workplace. And I'm really proud of that discussion on mental health because it's, it's not something people really want to talk about as it relates to our workplaces. 
And I think mental health is a really important topic and something that we all need to be more open and authentic about in order to help bring acceptance and healing to those who are suffering. And one of the things we talked about during the podcast was that we all have mental health, just like our physical health. And we really need to open the discussion about treating mental health issues more like our physical health issues. And if we do that, that's really going to go a long way towards better addressing these issues. And I think if we all start paying more attention to our mental health, it's going to make all of us, uh, not only those people who may be suffering from some mental illness, uh, ultimately more effective at our jobs and we'll have happier lives. And I think all of us, Tom, have, um, you know, over the last two years, um, I think being stuck at home without too much human contact really hasn't been great for any of us in our mental health. No, agreed, agreed. And I mean, thank you, Lisa, for making equality, diversity and inclusion and and a a wide range of the issues that sort of fall within that topic. such a, a continuing and important theme in the podcast. I think it's very valuable. Um, w- were there any episodes that you found to be particularly motivational and inspirational? Perhaps to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, there were two that really stand out for me. One was the episode with the Autumn's Better World Project, episode number 53 with George Chappella and Megan Pitcher. And then the one on social innovation was Serenity Wright, which was episode 93. Um, and I found these uh, inspiration and motivational for a couple different reasons. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Tom, tech transfer is not an easy job. And in addition to being difficult, I think that most people who aren't in the profession, they really don't understand what technology transfer is and what people in technology transfer do. And that's why I find the Better World Project so inspirational, um, because it provides the stories behind the metrics and it helps to promote our public understanding of how academic research and technology transfer impacts everyday life and makes the world a better place. I think if you tell people that things like Google or the Honeycrisp Apple or the N95 mask came out of university research, um, they're better able to understand and value uh, technology transfer. So I think the Better World Project is just doing an amazing job of trying to showcase to the world, um, the public in particular, the impact of technology transfer. And then the podcast with Serenity Wright. I was really inspired by all that she and her team at the University of Kentucky are doing with respect to creating and pro- promoting uh, social innovation. I think for people like myself who are in the patent space, we get this kind of tunnel vision that for an invention or innovation to be valuable or have value, it has to be patentable. And I think one of the things I realized in in that episode was that we forget that innovations that can help solve some of our most daunting challenges of today, things like social justice, education, healthcare disparities, hunger, climate change, things like that, they can have tremendous value and have tremendous impact. So I really enjoyed that episode. And that touches on so much of what Tech Transfer is all about. Um, so, Lisa, um, at 100 episodes, here we are. Um, where do you go from here? What does the future look like for, for these wonderful podcasts? Well, I think in terms of where I go from here, I hope to keep interviewing many different 
kinds and types of people and technology transfer all around the world. I think that in order to keep the podcast relevant and interesting, I'm going to have to expand or cast maybe a wider net in terms of potential guests, uh, not only looking at individuals and uh, offices around the world, but maybe patent offices around the world, uh, intellectual property makers and policymakers, investors, venture capitalists, and, and maybe even talk with some university-originated uh, startups. And in fact, for anyone who might be listening, if you have any suggestions or topics or guests that you'd like to hear, um, please feel free to reach out to me because I l would love to have your ideas. And then I hope to continue to do and provide interviews on the topic of equity, diversity, and inclusion. I hope in some future episodes, I can touch on things like disability, whether for inventors or technology transfer individuals, uh, the importance of neurodiversity in the workplace. And I'd also like to do some more or continue the discussion on mental health issues as well. And then I'm going to try and do some more live podcasting at the Autumn National Meeting and maybe some other technology transfer meetings. Um, some of the listeners, and I know, Tom, you saw me doing this at the Autumn National Meeting in New Orleans. Um, I was uh, running around with a, a handheld recording device, kind of interviewing people on the fly. And that came about is uh, from an interview and discussion I had with Laura Savitsky right before the, the meeting where she thought maybe it would be a good idea to, to interview people at the, the meeting. Um, it was definitely a little bit challenging to do with a handheld device, and it perhaps was not the best work that I've done, but um, I'm excited to give it another go at the ASTP meeting in Portugal in a couple of weeks. And uh, another shout out to Luke Lacey because he was really great during that time. Um, we had some really short turnarounds, turnaround times to get those episodes done, and, and he stayed up pretty late to get them done. So, so I think that's kind of what's next for the podcast, Tom. Yeah, well, that's great to hear that that a you're continuing, and and b you've got some new ideas and and new thoughts. Um, so, Lisa, we're we're getting towards the end, and and I think you know what's coming. Um, because you always like to end your podcast by asking your guests if if they could have three wishes or a vision of some sort, uh, what would that be? Um, so obviously, I have to ask you, um, if you could have three wishes for the podcast, um, what would those be? And a couple of comments. Um, you, you can't say more wishes <laughs> or more resources because those have been taken many, many times. Um, and this got me thinking, I, what, one I remember very well was um, Leslie Miller-Nicholson at MIT, I think episode 78. I, I loved what she said. She said she wanted her new database to work um, and she wanted to, to fill all the posts that she was um, advertising for. So I thought that was a wonderfully sort of practical approach to running a TTO as well as you possibly can. Um, but but Lisa, your three wishes for the podcast. Yeah, you know, it's so funny, Tom. I asked that question and to me, it seems like a really straightforward question, but it's really a hard one to answer. So I think I finally appreciate how difficult of a question that that actually is. So um, I think for the podcast, my first wish would be to continue to have the good fortune of finding so many kind and generous individuals who are willing to be on the podcast, number one. And number two, that people continue to find the podcast something worthwhile of their time and, and keep listening. Um, it's been 
really great to have this experience. And, and I can't thank you and others who have listened to it enough for all, all your support. And then my second and third wishes aren't really specific to the podcast, but kind of more overarching, just kind of life type of things. And for my second wish, I want to refer to something that Maya Angelou said, which was, we should all know that diversity makes for a rich tapestry, and we must understand that all the threads of the tapestry are equal in value, no matter their color. So I think my second wish is that we can get to a place where everyone in the world is treated and valued equally, no matter their color, their gender, religion, ethnicity, sexual or orientation, or whatever. And then I think my final wish uh, is that, you know, especially here in the U.S., where we're, we're so divided right now, that we can treat one another with dignity, respect, and kindness. And, and I'm not saying that we all have to agree all the time or share the same beliefs. I think we need to remember that it's not a character flaw, that just because someone disagrees with you or you with them, that respecting someone else's opinion doesn't necessarily take away from yours. So I would just like to close with something Teal Swan said, which was that the purpose of disagreement is not victory or defeat. It is progress. Excellent. Uh, three three very um, thoughtful wishes. Um, and and let's, let's hope they come true. Um, so Lisa, finally, this is your podcast and it's a wonderful podcast and many, many congratulations on the 99 episodes so far and this 100th one and, and best of luck for the future. So I'm just going to turn the microphone over to you for your final words. Well, thank you so much again, Tom, for doing this episode with me. You've been a tremendous supporter of the podcast, and I always enjoy these episodes when you and I do them together. So thank you so much. And again, like I said at the outset, it's really hard to believe that over the course of the last two years, I've had the opportunity to talk to so many amazing people who've been able to share with me the incredible work that they're doing. So I'd like to just say a couple thank yous before closing the podcast. And again, I want to thank Luke Lacey, Sarah Hennick, and Brittany Faulkner, who are the three individuals who help me week in and week out in the editing of this podcast. They prepare the show notes and they get everything uploaded to where it needs to be at the right time. Um, I can't thank them enough. They're, they've been wonderful to work with and it's an absolute pleasure to have the opportunity to work with them. I'd also like to... Shout out to my husband, John Mueller. Uh, he's been an amazing supporter of this podcast. Uh, he listens to almost all the episodes. He never says no when I ask him to review an outline or critique an episode or, you know, he helped me prepare some of the questions for this episode because I was struggling trying to, to figure out what I wanted to say. And then finally, to all my guests and listeners, thank you so much for your continued support and encouragement, and most importantly, your time and listening to these podcasts. And I'm really excited and I'm really looking forward to sharing more inspirational stories and insights over the next 100 episodes. Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer. 
and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and a line on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.